0: My wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton 7th Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our big question for this week. Does the Bible say anything about the world environmental issues? This week you're going to discover who rightly owns the world and all that is in it. What is mankind's appointed role? Why won't green political solutions work? And what is the biblical solution? our co-host today is pastor Joseph Mattick and Joseph's the executive secretary of the seventh day Adventist Church in South Australia welcome aboard joseph it's great to have you here hello Gary fantastic to have you have you back again tell me another week what's planned for this week oh look there's a lot happening gary it's it's quite a busy time but um, yeah look I'm really
1: looking forward to uh, th- this topic that we're that we're going to be uh commencing today. On Actually, today's program.
0: we have got just so much happening today that I'm thinking that we had better move very quickly, otherwise we're not going to uh, be able to cover it. Uh, before we go to our subject for today, though, what I'd love to be able to chat to you about is one of the world religious trends that are hit, um, that are impacting on us right now. You know, just um, uh, today I, I just stumbled across, uh, uh, Barna has released some research. It's entitled, What Research Has." revealed about the new Sunday morning now of course uh, this uh, research comes post COVID and this is how it's introduced now uh, three months into America's fight against COVID with some churches continuing to social distance and others beginning to welcome members back into their physical buildings for worship service we're curious how engagement with services both online and in person continues to to evolve here are some key things that we've learned during the unique period in our nation's history and our worship gatherings. From the surveys that have been conducted, these are the results. Half of churched adults have not streamed a church service in the past four weeks. Now, when that was broken down to practicing Christians, uh, this is uh, their conclusion as far as practicing Christians were concerned. Practicing Christians who are typically characterized by at least monthly attendance, so there could be some discussion on that uh, definition. One in three admits they have not streamed an online service during this time. I'm suggesting that there's probably some disengagement that appears to be occurring then the survey carried on and uh, and said this adults logging in for services usually opt for their regular church home but that was only 40% of people 23% have stream services from different churches essentially church hopping online. Now, that's a a second thing. So we seem to have disengagement that has occurred as a result of the online uh, ministries. We seem to have church hopping occurring. And then the third one I found to be quite uh, intriguing. 15% of practicing Christians multitask while streaming worship services. I, I I found this one absolutely intriguing. Uh, Practicing a non practicing Christians, even have different routines during um, a prayer. For example, while th- uh, three in five practicing Christians say they still pray, that means that two in five practicing Christians don't actually pray when the prayer is is being held there seems to be this multitasking that's occurring as well so the three things that for me came out of this particular survey are the issues of disengagement the issue of church hopping and the issue of multitasking or in other words not giving a full attention to the to the service or the prayers that were occurring online now joseph i know this is an american survey but you're the secretary of the, the church here in south australia just tell me if this was replicated in australia Do you? Think Think that this result could be replicated in Australia.
1: I reckon it certainly could. I mean, anecdotally, even what I'm aware of, Gary, from from conversations uh, with people I know, people that that, that I've mixed with, uh, I've had feedback um, and insights that that people are are, are tuning into, uh, for example, other programs other than their specific home uh, congregation, their their home church fellowship. Uh, Yeah, I'm aware of people um, because, Online, there is a plethora of uh, programs, services. Uh, presentations, sermons, worship services. If A lot of professional preachers,
0: even. I mean, exactly. we're professional preachers ourselves, but uh, these these online are professional to the camera uh, preachers. That's right. And so, in this space where
1: church buildings have been closed for you know, for, for the public to come into, for for worshippers to come into, Gary, uh, yeah, people from let's say maybe lots of smaller. Uh, simpler congregations they have now been able to to go online and find as you say fairly professional, Professionally produced, uh, produced online programs. I'm not surprised at all by this, and I'll, I would suggest that certainly in Australia we would find very, very uh, similar situation. Um, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, the fact that uh, yeah, people have n- not everyone has connected uh, or, or they're connecting uh, to, to to different sources, so to speak, uh, to, to to different programs. There yeah, disengagement in a sense is happening there, and uh, and. Not, not a real connection i mean the whole idea of um not fully uh being engaged in it that's a challenge we face when we are uh when when we're streaming through through um through through the online means uh when we are not face to face that that's what i'm getting at Uh, when we're not face to face uh there can be a lessening of accountability Mm. And lessening of involvement. Uh, yeah, I mean, even even if people are actually tuned in, Gary, that does not necessarily. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are fully engaged from beginning to
0: end. Well, it's interesting, even the multitasking oh. issue. I mean, I'm I'm wondering, you know, what do you multitask if you've actually got the worship service on? Uh, maybe you're preparing lunch at the same time. Are you? That's right. You, you, yeah. Because it, you know, nobody else
1: sees kind of what you 're doing when you 're at least in a group when you 're in a in a church premises when you 're fellowshipping together, you generally wouldn 't do much other things other than at least at least observe and be part of it um, yeah. even if you 're not fully concentrating as such. But through through watching something, Gary, there's possibly even less can be can, can be even less people, people some people probably may not even be watching the entire program, Gary. That they, they might commence, uh, they might uh, literally log out and switch over, switch off. Uh, so some of these statistics are, are such where it shows a person who might be a view, but that doesn't mean that they've actually viewed the entire thing, let alone have been engaged in it uh, fully. That's
0: one of the real challenges, isn't it? Because certainly in a in a worship service if a person you may see a person fall asleep and so you may see some eyes glaze over occasionally but you know one of the things that you're you're so conscious of is that when that occurs you tend to um, change the pitch you tend to relate to the people differently you try to um, develop your sermon in such a way that uh, that issue is actually overcome that's right Um, but uh, here you know with the flick of the button Everything actually actually goes off, and tell me Joseph, do you think do you have any thoughts of what this means for worship into the future it's
1: really interesting to see what's going to develop, Gary because clearly uh Yeah, clearly we have technology that enables us, as you said, at the flick of a button to to stream, to download whatever we want, but it doesn't mean that people are engaging, that people are giving of themselves, and yet really, worship really needs to be, well, needs to be participatory, Gary. It needs to be participatory uh, to, for, for the full benefit of it. God wants our whole mind, body and soul uh, in worship to him.
0: And this is the, where I was actually coming to because, you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of is that in uh, Hebrews, the, uh, the great apostle Paul, of course, is talking in uh, chapter 10, verse 20, uh, uh, 24 and, uh, and 25. And he says this, And let us consider one another, In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Mm. Do you think that this is something that maybe we should be picking up on today?
1: Absolutely, Uh, because there is a real danger, Gary, uh, that we can get into a habit uh of not being going to 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 fellowship not not engaging in public worship gathering with others and uh home your lounge can become a, a real comfort mm. and uh and and people can get it get out of the habit and what that passage of scripture really highlights there is that th- there is a real uh danger to that occurring because because it it, it, it we really do need to, uh, th- th- well, there is no substitute to personal connection, to personal contact. Mm. We need one another. Yeah. Uh, God wants us to engage. It's not always the most pleasant or the most comfortable, but that's how we actually grow and, and that's how we show our love to God and to one another when we are in community. We mm. grow in community, Gary, mm. with each other as we share, as we care, as we relate with other people. That's really how we grow and develop our
0: characters and mm-hmm. our love for God. I, I, I love that that passage there where it talks about exhorting one another yeah. uh, because it seems to uh, say something that we actually need each other. We do. Um, you know, I, I remember actually when I was uh, in uh, uh, my days in, in youth ministry and, uh, and in those days there was a, a worship that I used to often take when we were on a, a camp out environment and uh, we'd often have a, have a campfire occurring and uh, with, a, with, a, with a pair of tongs we'd take a, uh, take a coal out of the fire and, of course, as you watch the coal, no matter how much it was red and how glowing it was, when it came out of the fire, you'd just sit it by itself and it would slowly cool off and, of course, the red glow would disappear. It would turn to an ugly grey and basically go go out. And the illustration, we used to share um, together and we'd say, hey, what is it actually teaching us? And uh, the thing it used to teach us was that, hey, each coal actually needs each other mm in order to stay hot and I just wonder if that isn't an illustration that for uh, our contemporary uh, religious world because we're going through some significant changes at the present time I just wonder if this and what Paul is saying in, in Hebrews isn't incredibly applicable to us today It is We need each other for accountability for support and ultimately for growth in our Christian walk mm. Powerful, powerful. Let's come to some music, uh, Joseph. This is uh, uh, Fountain View Academy. Give me the Bible. Love this song.
2: Give me the Bible, star of goodness, gleaming. To see the wonder alone, and tempest stops. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming. Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal
3: day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken. When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious
2: words by Jesus spoken. Hold a face lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, Lord and love combined. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible, all my steps in light. Teach me the danger of these realms below. That lamp of safety, or the gloom shall bright. That light alone the path of peace can show. Give me the Bible. Shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, one love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal.
3: Can you trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity.
0: To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM. Drive time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Joseph Matichik. And Joseph's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Our big question for this week. Uh, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? This is a big one. This is a hot, hot button issue if ever there is one. Uh, so many Christians wonder, does the Bible say anything about this issue? It was just uh, very recently, uh, Greta Thunberg, and uh, she addressed the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos for the second time. Imagine, she's only a girl of 16. This is part of what she said. One year ago, I came to Davos and told you that our house is on fire. I said I wanted you to panic but I've been warned that telling people to panic about the climate crisis is a very dangerous thing to do. But don't worry, it's fine. Trust me, she said. I've done this before. I've made that warning before, and I assure you, it doesn't lead to anything. And for the record, when we children tell you to panic, we're not telling you to go on like everything before. Climate change poses an urgent threat demanding divisive action, communities around the world are already experiencing increased climate impact, from droughts to floods and rising seas. The world's Economic Forum Global Risks Report continues to rank these environmental threats at the top of the list. From a sustainability perspective, she says, the right, the left, as well as the centre have all failed. No political ideology or economic structure has been able to tackle the climate and environmental emergency and create a cohesive and sustainable world, because that world, in case you haven't noticed, is currently on fire. She's an evangelist, if ever I have seen one. All the solutions are not obviously available to today's society. We demand That at this year's World Economic Forum, participants from all companies, banks, institutes, and governments, and then she provides a list of demands from the World Economic Forum. It's a significant speech. It's a speech that one looks at, looks at, and just stands at and looks at in awe. As I uh, as I as I read it myself, the thing that really jumped out at me is that Greta said, no political ideology or economic structure has been able to deal with the issue. Joseph, does the Bible say anything about this issue? Uh, you know, we're going to be looking at this issue all of this week, but who is it that rightly owns the world and all that is in it. Because, you know, that is the real foundation of this particular question. What's, what's your thinking?
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing and interesting what uh, this young lady, Greta, is saying, Gary. I, I noticed uh, uh, last year when, when she really made the headlines when she gave her speech to the before the United Nations and uh, she's since uh, really continued with that and and really brings to the fore this question that you're asking about about our worth about the world Uh Look, the Bible does speak about it, absolutely, and it, and it speaks uh, quite clearly. And what it says is something that is really, really important for us to understand, Gary. Uh, right from the outset, uh, we, we know that the Bible tells us, and I'm going to share a, a few of these passages. For example, starting off first of all in Psalm 24 and verse 1, uh, the Bible there says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it mm. very clear this world belongs to God God owns the world he says and everything in it
0: he's claiming ownership
1: yes of this world powerful he is and it's not just uh, one obscure reference to that uh, if we read on in another uh, section Psalms 50 uh, there is a there is a passage here from verse 10 God speaking and he says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. Mm. If I were hungry, I would not, not tell you. For the world is mine, and all that is in it. Again, very clear statement here that God owns everything. He owns this world; uh, it, it belongs to him, he says, and everything, everything that, that, that is in it. Uh, then, then, if we go over to uh, another another clear reference about it, uh, this is this is a prayer of King David, uh, one of the greatest kings of Israel, uh, in First Chronicles chapter twenty nine. Uh, and uh let me read a section of his prayer it's he's it's, it's praising the Lord uh, before the assembly of Israel there uh, before the people and from verse 11 he he, uh, he says yours Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours mm. now he's extending it but again it reiterates here and I've just interrupted uh, everything on earth is is yours," he says to God. It belongs to God. Let me continue. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Interesting. Now we'll 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 touch on that a little bit later on, Gary. That's it's,
0: important to dig into that yeah, one, isn't it? It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's already not, not only does it make that uh, overarching statement. That God is the owner of everything, but even even wealth, uh, even even possessions, even uh, the things that we have, actually come from God. And we'll come back to that. He goes on, and uh, David, and, and referring to God, he says, "You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all." Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Uh, Verse 14 says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you,
0: Mm. and we have given you only what comes from your hand. This flows through the entire scriptures, doesn't it? Because what you've got here is—I mean, I, I will imagine David. I mean, David has been elevated from being the the shepherd boy in the field to being the king of Israel. He's been a—he's been a person who's been able to to play on the harp. He's been able to compose poetry, and yet what he is saying here is that all that which I possess, I acknowledge, comes from you. That's right. That's right.
1: So. What we, what we find the Bible clearly establishing, Gary, is that God is the owner of this world. Mm. Uh, he, he, he is the, the owner. The reason that God is the owner, Gary, is because he made everything. Right at the very beginning, the opening words of the Bible, uh, which, are, which would be v- probably quite familiar, uh, in the beginning, God created. created the heavens and the earth. Uh, it says it right from the outset. The very opening words of the Bible. Interestingly enough, when we come to the last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter four, and verse eleven, uh, there's a there's a verse there extolling praise to God, and it says there this You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: clearly, then, again, it stipulates there that God is the one that's created, created all things uh, by His will. They were created. Uh, there's a there's an other versions that sort of say it's for your pleasure. In other words, God has made everything, everyone, and and they are made for God. Mm. Now that. That that is significant. That, that's a significant point. That's, that's for
0: relationship, isn't yeah. it? You know, we've actually been created by God on this earth for this thing called a relationship, so that we can relate both to our God and also to each other. You know, and that's a very beautiful thing when you think about it.
1: And for 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 relationship with God, and so that God gets gets acknowledged. Mm. Uh, th- these passages here are acknowledging God as the owner. Mm. Uh, and uh and, and recognizing that which is which is going to teach some something for, to us and we'll come to that so gary god made this world it belongs to him uh and when we when we look at, look at it a little bit uh more extensively, the the account in the Bible describing how God created this world, uh we have the account there in Genesis chapter one in the first chapter, how God created the world in six days. And and the the record there states how what he created on day one, day two, the first day, the second day, the third day, and after each day it repeats this little phrase and there was evening and there was morning, the first day, the second day, etc And um and it says that God saw what he had made and it was good. And uh, And then what we find is God, uh, th- as he's creating, he, he, he first forms
2: mm-hmm. the earth,
1: first forms our world, and then he fills it. Mm-hmm. Fills it with water. He fills it with animals. He fills it with plants. Then the last thing God creates is humans. Humanity. Humanity. Yeah. Male and female, mm. we know them as Adam and Eve, the first humans, and uh, and 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 he, he creates them as the crowning act of his creation, mm. as the culmination, uh, having having created a beautiful world, and then he places humans there. He's created the world for us, Gary. Mm. Mm. And then the account says that when uh, when God had finished uh, when when it was finished creating at, at the end of the sixth day, it says that it was. Very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shouldn't miss that little, just that little. It's,
0: it's an increase in, in crescendo. It takes yeah. it up a step, doesn't it? You know, it's yeah. a key higher than, you know, it's not, no longer just good. It's now very good, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. very good because, yeah, it's
1: created humans. Now, yeah. I, I don't want to, let, let me just make this, this po- uh, very point very quickly, and that is creation's important, but humans are even more important uh human life, and so that's that 's what we find but the point the main point there is that God made this world for us. He made a beautiful world, and he gave gave, gave it gave it to humanity uh, and and not only that, but God uh, gives them an environment in which to live it's it 's called a garden it 's a beautiful garden He gives them things to eat. Um, which we'll find actually is is is, is the best diet, and uh, and and he pro- places them in this in this lovely environment. Now notice this, Gary. In that account, um, it says this in Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make mankind in our image." In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Mm. God is now referring to the role that humans have to play here on the earth and and, and in creation with, with, with his world that he has made. And and so it says in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground.
0: You know, Joseph, I can just pick a, come in there if I possibly can because there are some who when they read that passage that God gave rulership to Adam and Eve, they see that as authority to decimate. That's uh, th- that's the way that many have have sort of picked that up. I- is that what's intended there?
1: You know what? You know, we all understand if something has been entrusted to us, we are to care for it. Yeah. Now, and we see that we see that clearly uh, in in the, in the very next chapter, uh, chapter two. Uh, it says the Lord God had. Pl- Verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. Now notice this, Gary, verse 15. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Okay. So clearly there.
0: Uh, It tells us that humans were placed here on this planet to look after it. In other words, it's defined in the next chapter. Exactly, important, yeah, important.
1: So uh, God has God has made this world, but He's entrusted it to us as humans to care for it. Mm. Uh, We as humans are to manage it, to to be the stewards of it. That's a vitally important point here,
0: Gary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God is the owner. Humans are to be the managers. In other if, words, we are, if you like, in the, the rank of creation, we are under God but have got authority over the creation itself. But that authority, of course, once you give authority to someone, that can be used or it can be abused. It, it carries responsibility. Yeah, that's right. And we find here very importantly that,
1: that, uh, God is, establishes the fact and reminds us that He's the owner because He made it. Uh, He's entrusted it to us to care for it. Uh, in, you know, in, in another version it says to tend and to keep it. Mm-hmm. We get the idea. It's very clear, uh, that we are to look after it, we're, we're to manage it. Uh, we are to manage it. God is the one who owns it, but we are to we, but we are to manage it and care it for Him. It's not the other way around, Gary. And, Open and, that out a little bit well, more. Uh, I believe that people have actually sadly reversed this relationship, mm-hmm. and and uh, humanity uh, sees that uh, well, this this is ours. It, it's you know, it's my place, uh, it's my patch, yeah, my earth, my money, my life, my my things. I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there, there was a popu- there was a popular song. On, you know, um, I remember as, you know, as a young person listening. I don't care what you say. This is my life. Mm. Well, you know what, Gary, we're going to see, and, and I'm going to come to this a little bit more. Uh, already, we're seeing this world is is not for us just to do what we want to do. It actually belongs to God. We have to care for it. We we got to maintain that relationship. Um, people think that we can do what we want with this because it's it's for us to to, to decide it's not God has established this, relation, uh, this, this,
0: this, this and this puts this a huge onus on us doesn't it because uh, you know I mean so much of the world it has, has been destroyed because of what people want to take out of it rather than saying I am here in order to manage it for somebody greater that's exactly right and uh, and that's
1: that I believe is what has resulted in the situation that we find ourselves in gary really that's how we have gotten into this mess
0: it's so a huge call, pickle
1: isn't it it is that we can call sin uh as, when we look around our globe yes there our globe is in a mess our our, our planet is really really struggling uh I mean, Greta, we're very passionate about highlighting that for us, uh, and and in a sense, Gary, yeah, as humans, we have not obeyed uh, the commands of God. We, ha- in, in the sense of caring for what He has placed us because of what you said there, mm. uh, the selfishness um, of, of of humanity, because God entrusted us to care. And
2: for And we're going to come
0: to this later in the week, but 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 keep going, Joseph, yeah. because I'm really yeah. conscious that we're our time is starting to already get around and get away from us. What this means, Gary, is that we have a
1: responsibility to care for the planet, because when we do so, we show that He's the Creator. Yeah. Now that, that's important, we are to care for the planet, not for ourselves so much, Gary, but ultimately to bring glory to God. Mm. Uh, it's 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 about Him. The, the Bible. Uh, has a has a has a caution uh, over in in Romans uh, where where it has a reference there. Apostle Paul makes a reference to people who 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 Gary who who um, who miss this 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 perspective of God as the owner and 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 don't get the relationship right. And what they end up doing is they worship. He says talking about worshiping the, the 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 creature or creation instead of the creator. The creator mm. exactly. Um, so not only does this planet belong to God. But he has also entrusted to us resources and the abilities we have, the talents, if you like, the skills, and the and and and, and yeah. So, so these resources, the way we are able to able to to, to earn. Uh, can, can I read from Deuteronomy chapter eight, Gary? There's a, do. a really really interesting passage here, which is now taking this a step further, and then we're going to. To see where this actually takes us, Gary, really, really interesting. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, I'll just read a few here just to get a bit of the the setting. It says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees. Notice again, Scripture, it's highlighting about the importance of not forgetting God. This is about him. Mm-hmm. It's not about us. Uh, it's, and it, it, it cautions don't be careful not to forget about God uh, otherwise when you eat and are satisfied you build fine houses and settle down when your herds and flocks grow large silver and gold increases it says, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God uh, then, then a little bit further down it says uh, here's the danger you may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, It's speaking here specifically about wealth, yes, but notice what it's saying. Not only is this world
0: belong to God, but the means that we have, Gary, are God's. And, and the means to be able to get that wealth, our health, our strength, our, our intelligence actually is connected to, to, to the Lord God himself. Absolutely. And, you know, as you look at this, you sort of think, hey, we're actually living in a world today where that has actually been forgotten. And because it's been forgotten, then it comes around to being, hey, you know, well, what can I actually get out of this world for myself? You know, and, and we start to get Pillaging starting to happen within the environment of our world absolutely absolutely yeah it comes down
1: to yeah selfishness again like we highlighted what's in it for me what how can we utilize it and uh, and and so on so gary even our possessions our wealth belong to god and we are to use it to to, to multiply to bless others y- you would be very familiar with and i'm sure a lot of our listeners are with uh, famous story that Jesus told the parable of the talents hmm. it simply uh, tells us that uh, everyone is entrusted with at least something. The point of the parable is everyone 's entrusted with something, and we are to
0: use it in order to multiply to 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 be to be a blessing and, and by being a blessing that 's not just uh, that 's not just being a blessing to uh, you know to God. That's being a blessing because you look at the the mystery of the the, the Hebrew economy, they were actually commanded to be a blessing to the poor, those who were sick. Absolutely. So it was a blessing to not just the family but to the wider community because the rich man was actually challenged, well he was actually instructed that he was to minister to the needs of those who weren't as fortunate as him.
1: Exactly, exactly right. Now it goes further, Gary, and here's here's now the crux. Not only does God own the world, but he owns us. Oh. First Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty is a very, very significant. This is passage so important. This this is so important. The Bible here says What? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have of God, and you you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm. Gary, uh, God's ownership of us extends not just across this world, but it extends to our own lives.
0: In other words, to me, the thing that that's saying to me is that you know my body is actually not my body. It's actually my body that has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And according to this passage, it's the, the temple of the living God, um, which means that, hey, I'm, I'm somebody super special uh, to him. Exactly right. Exactly right. We, we, we belong to God
1: for two reasons, Gary. Yeah. For one, he made us. That's, that's almost enough reason to claim ownership. He made us. He created us. But this text refers to the fact that we have been bought with a price. Now that's, that, what's that? That's referring to uh, Jesus, uh, Dying on the cross for us, paying the penalty for our sins, uh, paying the price for our sins—that's what it's referring to. Uh, elsewhere, uh, the New Testament uses this term, redemption. Yeah. Redemption—it's—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's a, a word pregnant with meaning from um, you know, sort of the slave trade period, where, where slaves would be redeemed, bought, bought back. The concept is—is—is
0: is, is to buy to to,
1: to or almost to—and that's to reclaim. what
0: that's what Christ did for each of us. In other exactly. words, he's making this not only that. I I create you but i redeemed you you are mine and because you are mine i want you to be like jesus was on this earth i want you to minister in exactly the same way
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right so this this is this is really really profound and very very significant god made us and then as humanity we decided to go our own way we, we we chose our own way. God you know, God made us, but He lost us to mm-hmm. sin, and then He sent Jesus to buy us back. And so we we have been bought back. We we then become doubly His, if you like. Exactly, uh, exactly. And so uh, yeah, he, he 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 owns even our own lives. And so what that means, Gary is that, our, that Jesus is not only a saviour he's Lord of our life we belong to him uh, elsewhere Paul says whether we eat or whether we drink whatever we do we are to do it to the glory of God it's because we, uh, we, we belong to him uh, and, and there's, there's a number of passages just, uh, just one for instance here it says in Romans 14 if we live we live for the Lord If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we we belong to the Lord. Did you get that? Mm. We
0: belong to the Lord. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful. In other words, what to me that says to me is that what I've got is my father created this wonderful world. He then, I made those mistakes. He then bought me back. And then by, by creation and by redemption, I am his son. And what he's actually calling on me, us to do in this world is to care for our family property. That's right. You know, and to me, when that happens, I sort of look at that and say, Hey, what a beautiful thought we've actually got here because this world is my dad's property. And I want you, I want you to care for it. In just that way,
1: exactly, exactly right. And we are to live in such a way that uh, acknowledges that He is the Owner, that we belong to Him, and that, Gary, that we are actually accountable to Him. Mm. Uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians, just one more passage here. Colossians chapter three uh, makes uh, makes this statement. It says, "Whatever you do." Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. Mm. See, again, this concept that we belong to God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, not only does God own the world, that ownership extends to our lives. Uh, Our possessions, Gary, belong to God. Mm. Our bodies belong Mm. to to God. God. And our lives need to bring glory to him.
0: That, uh, that is beautiful. That is so beautiful. Jo- thank you for that, Joseph. Joseph, let's come to some music. This is uh, uh, Jason Lavek, uh, My Father's World. Please enjoy. <laughs>
3: Those who die will be satisfied.
0: You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host is Joseph Matichik. And Joseph's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And today our big question, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? Who rightly owns the world and all that is in it? That's what we've been speaking about today. Do You know, I'm so conscious that if God is owner of the planet then, Joseph, I suggest that there might be a case for following the maker's original manual. You know, to me, one of the amazing things is that every time I buy a new product, I'm given a, an owner's manual, how to actually uh, live with and get the best out of that product. And, you know, to me, I, I find in the scriptures a wonderful owner's manual. If, in fact, God is the owner of this planet, and he's provided me with an owner's manual, then just possibly there could be material there that might help me out. Now, you know, uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely, Gary. You know,
1: when I... Like you, I buy a product. And there's an owner's manual. Guess what? As soon as I run into a problem with the product, I start rummaging around to look for for the owner's manual. It's because I've rushed ahead, haven't bothered to read the owner owner's manual first, <laughs> and then I've got to go to the to the owner's manual. I look it up. Aha! Uh-huh, that's what I should have done, or that's what needs to happen here in order yeah. to fix the, the yeah. problem that I've created, yeah. or what what seemingly is not working. In-
0: and it's exactly the same with our lives. Indeed, indeed. You know, just just a little while ago, I um. Uh, I stumbled across a, an article and it was actually talking about something that I'm also conscious that's in the owner's manual because you see right back at the very beginning of the time, uh, what we find is that the owner uh, said to Adam and Eve, he said, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to have a um, a food source of what we would call today a vegan Food source. That's that's what what was originally way back in the uh, the Garden of Eden. And um, I, I picked up an article, and this is what what it said. Uh, there was a time when vegetarian, vegan, and plant based diets in the uh, Western world were part of a small subculture. It was considered to be the domain of hippies and activists. That's when I was growing up, rather than large numbers of the population. Depending on the situation, vegans and vegetarians were met with either acceptance, tolerance, Hostility when they divulge their dietary preferences. Not so much anymore. An increasing number of consumers have begun to realise the positive impact of a plant-based diet has not only on health, but on many other aspects of life. Now, one of the aspects of life that that uh, that are presented to us is the fact that a vegetarian, a vegan lifestyle, is actually environmentally sustainable. And this is what the article said. While the health and ethical benefits are undeniable, switching to a plant-based diet is healthy for the environment as well. For example, in the Amazon, almost 70% of forest land has been converted to space that is primarily used as cattle pasture land. For food, hey, is the Amazon a problem? Uh, the two-volume report impl- entitled Livestock in a Changing Landscape uh, came to these key conclusions. Uh, firstly, that more than 1.7 billion animals are used in livestock production worldwide and occupy more than one-quarter of Earth's land. Production of animal feed consumes about one-third of of Earth's total arable area. The animal uh, agriculture industry, which uh, includes feed production and transport, is responsible for 18% of all greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. The beef, pork, poultry industries emit large amounts of CO2, methane and other greenhouse gases. Hey, Joseph, I just wonder, would... Would it be silly of me to suggest that we go back to the owner's manual and maybe eat the original diet and see significant improvements in our world environmentally as a result? What's, what's your thinking, Joseph? The maker always
1: knows what's best for what he has made. Uh, God, knows best for, God knows what is best for us as humans. And uh we we have that uh, in Scripture. Uh, God has given it. He's outlined it. Uh, he's shared it. Uh, because at the heart of it, God always wants the best for humanity. God God wants the best for His creation. In fact, God in His original intent for us to be, to live forever, to to live happily, to live to live perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only when humans have chosen to go away from. Uh, his his commands, his directions that we have experienced the problems that, that we find ourselves in. And so absolutely Gary is, is this the case that if we were to go back to the, uh, the the instructions that God gave, the guidelines that he gave on all aspects of life including on how we eat, we would find that it would be better uh, not only for our bodies but as this article is pointing out also for, for, for our environment. That's, that's absolutely the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact Gary, uh, I I've shared this usually in other contexts when i when, when I shared from Genesis chapter 1 uh, and, and chapter 2 I've, I've made, made the point that what you find here in the beginning um, in this Garden of Eden, in, in this setting we find God's ideal for humanity in all aspects of life The ideal diet, the ideal relationship, the ideal way to worship, uh, the ideal environment to live in. You find the ideal vocation even. He he placed them in the garden to be active. You you find it all here, all the principles essentially there.
0: And I think that point that you make there, Joseph, is actually very powerful because when I consider the gifts... That God gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, to me, uh, they they really cater. I mean, you imagine Adam and Eve have been given everything. They've been given the entire world. These this pair are the richest people yes. uh, anyone in the because they own the entire world. They own every diamond. They own every piece of gold. They own everything in the world. And God oh, um, then comes to them and he says, "Hey, what can I give these guys as a gift?" And the two things that he gives them is relationship, Marriage. That's right. That's in the Garden of Eden. And then he gives them rest. In fact, their first full day, the first full day with the Lord God, he creates them on the sixth day. On the seventh day, he says to them, Adam and Eve, come here, I want you to have a rest. What do they need to rest from? You know, this uh, this is almost ludicrous to suggest that they need rest. They don't. Does he need rest? No, he doesn't need rest. What's he actually wanting to do? He's actually wanting to have relationship with the God of heaven. That's, that's what he's wanting them to have relate. And you know, uh, to me, there are some principles that are put in the owner's manual that i suggest to you that in the fast-paced world we're running today in fact we're going to come to this issue of the need for a a sabbath Mm. um, in in just a week or two's time because that is just so important that we we need to understand that the owner's manual is the one that teaches us how to run effectively on this planet
1: exactly right yes and that will benefit uh, humans. It'll 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 benefit our, our our planet, Gary. You know, that's right. I mean, right there in the beginning, God said, "I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food." Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-nine. God's original diet a plant-based diet, and more and more people are discovering it now. Uh, its benefit for us as as, as individuals and f- and for our for our planet because God as the owner and the creator of this whole planet
0: knows And let me what's and let best. me just suggest one last thing to you Joseph what if uh, mankind had always followed that original owner's making's plan he would have had a diet that was actually able to be supported by our world and what's more on one day a week he would have down tools that's right and down tools one day a week means that Industry stops yes. one day a week. Yes, now, can you imagine the impact that this would actually have on our world if that original plan had actually been followed? That's exactly right. Um, yeah,
1: it, it it really highlights for us, Gary, that it, we are to look back to the Creator, look look up, look to our Maker, to the owner of everything. And uh, my heart goes out to the likes of of Greta and all these others who get quite passionate about the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, But it it really needs
0: us to look to Him. Because yeah. he's our, our only hope. Because I, I agree with you totally there, um, because what I'm conscious of, Joseph, is that ca- in our contemporary world, there are so many political solutions that mm. are being suggested. But I suggest to you that as Greta rightly says in her article, the none of the solutions have worked. And why? I suggest to you because they're actually political solutions and the solutions that have actually in the book, in the scriptures themselves, have actually been overlooked. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yep. Joseph,
1: I would you like to pray for us just as we finish. Sure. Dear God in heaven, we want to acknowledge you today as our creator, maker, the owner of everything. Lord, forgive us for times when we have just assumed that uh, this world and our lives uh, and everything we have is is ours to do as we as we please but we recognise Lord uh, certainly from, from you and from your word that that is what gets us into this mess known as sin and the problems we face as a world. Lord I pray for every person that's listening uh, that uh, they and each of us will acknowledge you as our creator uh, that we will uh, live a life that uh, shows that you are our owner, that we belong to you and that we will bring glory to you. Uh, That's my prayer for each of us today in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well folks it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Joseph Matichik on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we dig into this subject from the Bible some more and ask, what does it mean for humanity to function as a steward of our Father's creation? Really look forward to seeing you then. But until then, uh, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May the Lord richly bless you.